The Bugs Bunny Halloween special has hit HBO Max, so of course you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, it is my honor to bring to you a TV personality on Spirit Squad, as well as a content creator in her own right. She is also on TikTok and a host of Something Scary over on YouTube. Please join me in welcoming Stephanie Strange. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, happy to have you. And we're doing video. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a new realm. I'm going to try to do more video content with the podcast. So there will still be the audio version for everyone listening over on iTunes, Spotify, and all of the areas where you get your podcast. But you'll also have me on YouTube and wherever else this goes. So (laughs) uh, new frontier for sure. Uh, how are you doing and what is your history with Halloween cartoons? I'm doing good, you know, decorating, getting into the Halloween spirit. This is like my yeah. time. <laughs> um, love Halloween. So October is always a great month for me and it's my birthday month. So it's just a win-win all around. Awesome. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my history. So I want to say that my parents, they grew up with like Looney Tunes. Like, I think that's something that I, I can always tune into. And my parents will also watch with me versus like, if I were to watch like the Powerpuff Girls or something on like Cartoon Network, they would probably yes. not care as much. But Looney Tunes, I think was something that was definitely pushed by like my older relatives. And it was always on the weekends on cable and um I grew up watching it and then also my sister she had a whole thing on Tweety Bird um in oh, fact cool. yeah I don't know if she she wants me to share this but I'm gonna share it because it's my sister <laughs> and you know that's what siblings do uh she used to call her boyfriend Tweety Bird so it's like kind of crushed for me <laughs> because like we loved Tweety Bird and now I now think of her ex-boyfriend but I loved Tweety Bird and um, I remember we had like the big stuffed animals and everything. They used to have them at the yeah. fair. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Here in LA? I think so. Yeah. My, so my, for okay. context, my sister, she was a nineties teenager. She was into that whole thing. And yeah, I remember she came home and she's like, look, look what I won. I'm like, that's really cool. So what fun memories <laughs> on that Tweety Bird, different meanings. <laughs> I understand that completely. Uh, there are, you know, annotations and, you know, characters that we associate with certain people in our lives. And yeah, it's, it's a really weird thing whenever, you know, someone's doing a podcast that, uh, you know, hits those nerves or uh, memories. <laughs> but thank you for shouting out Cartoon Network. That's actually celebrating uh, 30 years uh, since its debut on Turner or TNT and, you know, how Cartoon Network came to be its own channel and, um, started with Space Ghost and some retro cartoons such mm-hmm. as Flintstones and Looney Tunes. And uh, yeah, so congratulations to Cartoon Network for still striving, still being around. But I also want to send a thank you to whoever created Toonheads because that 
kind of gave birth to my love of the animation history so that like delved into different character backgrounds like first appearances and you know the history of some directors and everything uh behind the scenes so that was really fun to enjoy as an adult uh whenever i go back and watch reruns of that that you can find on youtube and <laughs> yeah so i you know i'm super grateful for cartoon network existing question sure. so you mentioned yeah. like this this kind of sparked a lot of things for you what was that first memory like because I can definitely think of like animations that I've watched as a kid and I'm like I am so inspired I'm gonna try to draw this and of course it was never exactly like <laughs> but it got me down an inspiration path what about you like when you first watch it did you feel inspired of like wanting to recreate the drawings or how did it make you feel oh um so like whenever I was watching like the documentaries about like the original mm -hmm. creators of these things it made me want to i guess read more about it do more research um watch more cartoons <laughs> um and just learn as much as possible like turn into a sponge and just soak up everything i did dabble in drawing but i wasn't really good at it so mm -hmm. i mean i know drawing is like something you have to practice and like yeah. it's not something that you're just like born with um i i just wanted to watch interact uh play as because like video games and everything were of the time like in the 90s there were a lot of looney tunes video games and uh, i just wanted to like you know be surrounded by the characters as much as possible and yeah uh, whenever i went to college i actually had four directors that were inspiration for me uh because i went to film school i had film directors and uh, Chuck Jones was definitely in that list. Ooh. So, um, and that's one of the directors we're going to be talking about. And that's a good segue because the witch is back. Uh, we have Witch Hazel in the Looney Tunes cartoon special with a slew of other characters such as Porky, Sylvester, and Daffy, and of course Bugs Bunny, who's also you know titling the the special. And I could not be more happy with how they treated her, with how they gave her own, her own short, which was apparently one of the creator's first initial ideas whenever they came to him and said, hey, what do you want to do? How do you want to bring these characters back? And he was like, well, I love Witch Hazel, so we got to get her in there. And yeah, so uh, just real quick, you watched the Witch Hazel short, uh, just your brief opinions. I want to give like a teaser of the special before we go into news and then come back to the special in our review. Yes, I watching that took me back in time. Of course, I loved it. It was like, I kind of it took me back and made me feel like a kid again. And it was just yeah. like, no, I, I didn't have to like, you know, be philosophical with it. It was more of like, wow, this is such a cute, like, homage to things that I grew up watching. And also like, it made me think of, I used to read Tales from the Crypt, the books, like I have all the books, like not the show. I love Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And <laughs> I just like, okay, this is more of like a PG version of like the host, like the way she's like, I want, can I even say this? Can I, can I, oh, we'll see, we'll see. But she was just kind of like wishing for something like, I want to be yeah. uglier. And then I'm like, yeah. okay, that's so funny. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> from their manifestation happens right so right. i just was like this kind of reminds me of like more of a pgg version of the tales from the crypt host because of the jokes the puns and like the manifestation of things that's truly my yeah. connection to things for some reason i just thought of that because when i think of someone that's funny and has like these really campy funny jokes of like 
you know, ghoulish jokes uh, that just made me feel really happy. I don't know. <laughs> or the brewmate line, because that's a really good uh, pun as well. And, you know, that made me laugh because it's such a classic witch hazel thing to look at the audience, like wait for the laugh and then go on and do the thing. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I ate this up and I thought the, the artistry behind it, the unique backgrounds, it felt like watercolor mm -hmm. coming back and just the way that the character was drawn, Candy Milo's performance of the character. I just thought like all around, it was a really good outing for Witch Hazel. And I think a lot of fans are going to really appreciate the, just the overall level of attention to detail with her. And the way that, you know, even whenever she like zooms out of a scene, you have the, the hairpins that follow her. I think that's, it's just a really fun detail, but it just adds to that depth of like, oh, you're watching a character that obviously we haven't seen in this form mm -hmm. in a good 60 years. And like, you know, she's back and that's yes. a really important thing. So yes. I'm really glad you liked it. No, and, I love uh, that you pointed that out with the, with the illustration too, because you're right. It did not feel overly CGI by any means. It made, like, I think that was part yeah. of the nostalgia too, where it was like, yes, you can tell it's been obviously, you know, retouched to today and modern times. But when I watched it, I was like, okay, this doesn't feel like overly CGI. Whereas like, you know, when I was watching the other, uh, the other like, um, shorts and the the cartoons and stuff like that I did notice like a little bit of like a more modern thing but that felt a lot more like you said watercolor yeah I love that yeah. touch yeah it's it was really pretty for me I love that stuff I like more hand-drawn like old school yeah. cartoon illustrations a lot of throwback uh, homages in that too mm -hmm. and uh, yeah just I, I just couldn't get enough of it I, I need like an entire series <laughs> like that looks like that I think that would be fantastic so because this is Halloween, we're going to talk about some scary things. And the first scary thing that is happening right now is Bye Bye Bunny was threatened. <laughs> and for us Looney Tunes fans, we were very scared that this was a project that was not going to see the light of day. And we still don't know the status. All we know, I will start from the beginning here, is that reports came off of layoffs and the animation team was completely eradicated and, you know, decimated. We were all like heartbroken and we were all, you know, feeling for these animators and these artists because that is again, like a huge project to be a part of that must've been really exciting from the onset. And to have that ripped away, I can't even imagine how that feels, but it's not all lost because the showrunner took to Twitter and kind of gave a little bit of hope back. I wanted to just read what the tweet said. So that way I, uh, you know, I, I don't misspeak for anybody. Michael Herrera is the active showrunner. And he said, this movie thrives with the humor of the writer, Ariel Dumas, who we've covered on the show. She is a writer for the Colbert Report and she's just a very funny individual on social media. And I can't wait to see what she comes up with for this plot. Reiterating, I've spoken about this movie before, but it, just in case you're, you're new to it, Bye Bye Bunny is a story about Bugs Bunny on stage and it is a musical. And apparently it wasn't as much of a musical as it's going to be, but it has Bugs Bunny on stage and he's kind of grown wary of the spotlight. And so he's willing to step down and probably do what rabbits do, relax. And he's going to enjoy his retirement 
And Daffy Duck is eager to reclaim, reclaim that spotlight that is now vacant. So in the process of this, Daffy is captured, kidnapped, ducknapped, if you will, and the gang has to save him. And they can all, you know, come together and and accomplish that really fun adventure. And, you know, it, it feels a little bit like a Muppet movie, which is uh, something one of my previous guests said, and I couldn't agree more. And apparently this is being turned more into a musical, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's what the showrunner had to say. So the songs by Tom Kitt are incredible. Oh my God, these songs. All under the direction of the kind and clever Brandon Jeffords. Uh, he recently directed Vivo. If you are a fan of classic Looney Tunes or Broadway musicals, hopefully both, you are in for such a fun ride. And I, I highly anticipate this movie. I, I just hope that it, it sees the light of day. So it's not canceled. It is still active. It's still being worked on, but as of that day, they addressed these specific rumors that were hitting the internet. So Michael goes on to say that uh, he's the head of story, and the facts are that uh, today was a sad day as much of the crew was let go. We're not canceled yet, and it's a really funny movie because of the writing and the songs. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. And then another report said that they're turning the movie more into a musical. So I'm guessing they're adding more songs. And while they're doing that, they had to lay off some people before they bring them back on, or hopefully they bring them back on. I, I mean, we yeah. don't know what's going to happen, but it is horrifying to yes. lose your job, especially one of these jobs. It's a high profile movie. And the other caveat to this is that it no longer has a home at, on HBO Max. So it will have to be shopped around just like another Looney Tunes movie called The Day the Earth Blew Up. But before I get there, Stephanie, you just heard about Bye Bye Bunny. Um, what do you think about this plot? What do you think about this movie? And do you want to see it? I do. I, I think that like one of the things that I think was very disheartening and it's very, in my opinion, I think sometimes when you lay off people and these people that are very passionate, because clearly when people are going to work on a project like this, it's not just anyone that like does not know what this project is about. It's people who are passionate about it, who have obviously fought to be here to work on this project. And when you lay them off and it doesn't matter what the reasonings are, I think that it's very disheartening for fans because they're like, what is going on? Are they going to keep the spirit of this franchise? Um, you know, are they going to keep the spirit? Because now you're hearing that it is a musical. So for me, that's kind of like a mixed it's mixed emotions with that because it's like okay if you're laying off people and you guys started with one goal where is it going to go to now and then what if they another network picks it up and then they change the whole thing again and almost like mm. makes the fans confused and it's hard to hype up something with so many mixed journeys and mixed feelings on like well what if you know this random network picks it up and then they're like, well, it's not a music. We're going we're gonna to do less musicals than what? So I think that for me is like, okay, it's here in the back of my head, but right now it's not like something that I'm looking forward to if I don't know the certainty of it. Um, and it's really sad because I was looking at comments online and some people were like, they just don't care about the fans of this franchise the same way that they would for like Disney or something. And I'm like, that's very interesting because it's almost like these people feel like they're being left behind. Yeah. And so it's hard to hype something up, you know, like, I don't know. I don't mean to like be negative about it, but it's like, 
that is so true. I don't, I, it's this, it's a really interesting time. It is. And as far as the fans being left behind, that's why I started the podcast. I started the podcast because there wasn't a Looney Tunes podcast. There was nobody talking about these characters that are beloved, that are cherished all around the world. And so I wanted to just throw my hat in the ring and just start talking about them. And yeah, I mean, we want these movies. These movies are hopefully incredible and paying due to, you know, 80 plus years they're, they're the age of our grandparents, <laughs> 80 plus years of this lore, this history, and, you know, this magic of animation. And we want that to continue. And I just, I would hate to see these characters not have that platform. So I completely agree. And, yeah. you know, based on who's going to come in and take it, who knows? We, we really don't know. And, uh, you know, I just, I, like you said, Disney does care. I think they care a bit more, um, which is sad to say, but I, I think Disney or I think Warner Brothers is in such disarray because of the acquisition, because of the merger with Discovery, that it's really hard to say who has the best interest for these projects. Um, yeah. So the other Looney Tunes movie that we have to talk about, which is on the verge of not getting completed, unfortunately, is... The day the earth blew up. Yard waste must be eradicated. <laughs> must make sure there are no cracks on the uh, we have uh, walkway. Uh, Daffy, I, I said no cracks. Which I was fortunate enough to cover from Comic-Con and the title reveal and just the amount of joy it gave people to see this new Looney Tunes movie in production, I think was overwhelming and super positive. And so the fact that we now have this project in sort of a limbo is very terrifying to me because I want it. And uh, Mark uh, Ellis, who was on a previous show, equated this movie to more of a Edgar Wright feel with like World's End, where you have this end of the world moment happening. And instead of like a bar crawl, this is more like a bubblegum factory adventure, uh, which is what Porky and Daffy get themselves into. And then they have to inadvertently probably save the world from aliens. Uh, hopefully there's a Marvin the Martian cameo. We'll see. Uh, but it has been confirmed that uh, Eric Bauza will be voicing both Porky and Daffy in this. And the, this is the first Looney Tunes cartoons movie. So the same style that we see in the shorts that we're going to talk about with the Halloween special, this is the same team. So Pete Browngard is heading this and it's got its own unique flair, look and everything. And uh, the incredible people over at Tonic DNA, it's a, a Canada company that does uh, some animation for Looney Tunes cartoons is doing the entire movie and it just looks incredible. They released a clip of it online, which you can go watch right now. And once you do, if you like it, share it because the more people that see this, the more involved people are going to be in uh, celebrating it and getting more hand-drawn movies made. And that is a lot like that is what people want. That's what we're craving. We want that old school look. I mean, Stephanie, you were just saying how you loved how the witch hazel look made it feel like the retro with the watercolor. Like that's yeah. what we're going to feel in a theater, hopefully a theater. I really want this to go to theaters. <laughs> um, with Porky and Daffy on this quest 
that allows them the the artistry to present to audiences kids especially this new form of animation whether that's with digital backgrounds and drawn characters or just an overlay of digital paint on top of drawings i just think it comes off like so much better than just fully cg 3d so stephanie you watched this clip what did you think of how this movie looks and what we could be in store for if it gets made i yeah no i think that it definitely was playing on to the element of like drawing hand drawn and i love that i love seeing how it was so smooth and it just made me excited for that because like i was saying earlier yeah, CGI is great, but sometimes I think it looks, I'm not, and I know offense to anybody, I know this might be taboo for some people, but it sometimes cheapens things sometimes because you're, you're only focused on how that CGI element may not blend in with other elements of illustrations and animations. I know that's happened to me where I'm watching something and I'm like, that spaceship is CGI, but the rest yeah. wasn't. And then like, I'm stuck on it. I'm actually clinically OCD. So then I'll be stuck on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is now... <laughs> Um, and it's, I know it's so silly, but when I saw this, I was like, this is so cool. And I can't yeah. wait to see it with color and life. Um, because yeah, when you're talking about like UFO, <laughs> I was like, yes, I love that. I love UFO stuff in general. I mean, I don't, I, I'm actually really, it's one of those things where it scares me, even cartoon UFO stuff scare me, <laughs> but then like, <laughs> but I want to watch it. It's just, I don't know. It's just playing onto that element. <laughs> The real stuff scares me, but like having an animated version of that, I think would be really fun. And the aliens look really cool in the promo image they released, uh, which has an alien blowing a bubble and inside the, the bubblegum bubble is Daffy and Porky like floating without, you know, suspension. I, I just, oh my gosh, like the, the creativity that would go into a movie version of the shorts we already have, I think would be off the charts amazing. And that's what we want. That's what we need. I don't know how anyone in their right mind, Netflix, Roku movies, like whoever wants to pick this up, please do, because there's a lot of potential here. And I know that a lot of people are loving what they're seeing so far in test screenings and, and everything else that I'm hearing. So I just, I desperately want this movie to be made, but it will definitely be a horrifying day if we get news that it has been canceled. Yeah, I think definitely sharing it and talking about it does create more of a community. And, but I, sometimes I wonder, right? I think about it and it's like, I don't think this is a reasoning, but I could see someone saying like, well, there's not enough conversation online about it, but I think there is, it's just, yeah. we're choosing not to see, like people are choosing not to, like these networking marketing companies are choosing not to see it in my opinion, because it's like, if they were able to make a Simpsons movie, you know, and wasn't it? Yeah, they made it one or two. I can't think of right just now. One. Um, but they just made one. just one, but they made it and like people watched it. And there was definitely a demographic that may not even have grown up watching The Simpsons that went to theaters from what I can recall. Um, so like, there's just absolutely no reason. Also, like as someone that's, that consumes a lot of like social media stuff, there's so much power in like body, um, what's called body language. And I think mm -hmm. Looney Tunes has always done a great job of that. And I think that it could even hit a wider audience than what people are even expecting, just because they're so good at getting the attention of people that may not even like speak the native tongue of what that, you know, the franchise has, you know, English, you know, I, like my parents, my parents did not know English very well. And they loved watching 
Looney Tunes and all that jazz. So I just think yeah. that it could definitely hit so such a big, big, big audience alone with like the body language, the nostalgia. A lot of the guests that have already been on the show have actually said the same thing, that their mm -hmm. families who do not speak English were able to still laugh along with the characters, with the with the plots of Looney Tunes. And the reinvigoration of this franchise with the retro style, uh, thanks to Jim Soper and people like Joey Capps, I think just invigorates more people to uh, become familiar with them again or sh introduce them to their kids. But the biggest thing for me, and the reason why I want this movie to be in theaters is because right now, HBO Max isn't available in all territories. It's only available in some. So a lot of people who are fans of Looney Tunes, they haven't even watched these shorts in their entirety. They've just seen clips online and they're watching from afar. Wouldn't it be nice for them to be able to go to a theater and actually watch an entire movie in the style that is joyous and like a celebration of animation on this level i think it would be again mind-blowing like you said so i really want this to go to theaters i've already signed a petition i don't know if it will get seen <laughs> hey i'm just doing everything works. i can <laughs> yes whatever works you know what i mean i think and and to add on to that too because i started thinking about like studio ghibli films right i think yeah. that those are great too and i know this is like kind of different topic but my point is, is that if films that even across, you know, the world can make it here in the Americas as a big hit, why not something that is more native here and has had such a had major decades upon decades of history um, with family like there's just, you know what I mean, like, if you're yeah. introducing animation from across the world, there's absolutely no excuse as to why you cannot make the excitement around something that is i think it's definitely a huge pivotal point of pop culture our culture american culture um and family generational you know nostalgia they're icons just mm -hmm. hands down they're icons tweety is celebrating his 80th birthday this year and he's getting murals plastered all over europe uh germany like so many places uh including here in the states and it's just a celebration of this character through art and I just love the fact that people are recognizing him and taking photos and I'm sharing the photos on the social media. So if you're following the social media, you're definitely seeing them and you're definitely seeing the celebration come to life. And that's just what I want to continue. That's what I want in theaters. I know Space Jam was, you know, divisive, but ultimately like kids loved it. Toy sales were off the charts. So there is a demand. I just hope that and I really want Looney Tunes cartoons toys. <laughs> can you imagine a witch hazel toy like that you can have? Like I've never had a witch hazel toy. I don't think they've ever made one. I don't know if they yeah. have, please put in the comments, like the link me the eBay. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I even thought of like animatronics. Like I would have that in front of my house yeah. for Halloween, like an animatronic <laughs> of her and be like, here, I want her to hand out <laughs> a treats yeah. or something. <laughs> I would totally have that something like cool. that. <laughs> I do know last year they had the first ever uh, Taz inflatable and it was a Taz in a, or in a um, cauldron. Uh, so it was Halloween inspired, um, but like Taz. Okay, cool. I love Taz, but like Witch Hazel, like let's do that one. Yeah. <laughs> More appropriate. I love Taz too. That was my nickname as a kid because I spoke really fast. I mean, I still do, but people call me Taz. Amazing. So I actually had Sorry. I had, a, I had a schoolmate who drew uh, incredible art. This is the other reason why I was like, 
not even attempting to draw because I had a friend that drew everything for me. And uh, I was like, can you draw Taz? And he's like, I love drawing Taz. And he drew me this really fun Taz. And he was like in the second grade. And it was like amazing. It was detailed, like as detailed as you would find in the show. That is and so I was like, cool. I love that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that memory. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so moving on, let's dive into this Halloween spectacular. Trick or treat yourself to a spooky new special, Bugs Bunny's Howl Scream Spooktacular. What do you know? It's not just witchful thinking. It's so nice to have a broommate. All your favorite loony characters are creeping it real in a boo special. Perhaps you didn't hear me. We have. Bugs Bunny getting a massage. We have uh, Witch Hazel trying to track down a spider for a potion. And we have Daffy and Porky trying to bury Daffy's best friend. So let's go into it. Uh, the first short in this is called Graveyard Goofs. Graveyard Goofs. This is directed by Ryan Kramer, a, a outstanding director on Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, he's done many shorts that I have praised. And uh, this one just continues that trend. You have Porky, who is anxious, scared, paired with Daffy, the wacky Daffy, uh, who is eager to bury this coffin filled with his best friend, uh, who really knew how to lit up, light up a room and was his biggest form of entertainment. <laughs> um, so you watched this short. What did you think of this short? And were there any gags that stood out? I was getting very philosophical with this, actually. Oh. I oh. I don't even get okay. ahead of myself, but out of a lot of the ones that I watch, I was like, this is getting me into philosophical mode. Because, okay, so, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to, listeners, we're going to spoil this. So, again, if you have not watched the Looney Tunes Halloween special, go watch it right now and then come back. Yes. I actually was thinking about the, like, how society, like, I, okay, the first joke, someone said, well, once you're done getting your blue screened boyfriend out of your face, then I can get your attention. And someone, it was like an elderly folk that said that to me. I'm like, my blue screened boyfriend. And I looked up and I'm like, it's my freaking phone. And so when I watched this, I thought of that joke and I busted out laughing. I was like, no way is this now? Like, you know, I'm seeing what I heard in real life years ago. And now I'm hearing it again. And I'm like, okay, so in a way, because when I first heard the joke of this elderly man telling me he's, you know, throwing jokes at me, he was a nice person besides of what I'm saying. And I thought about how you're right in a way, like the thing that we hold so valuable in life is that little blue box in our hand. And it's also the TV, but it's also, you know, it's becoming now condensed into a phone. And I started thinking about like how people will lose morality in the name of this little blue screen in your pocket. And, you know, one of the things that I heard when I got married was people lose morality in weddings and funerals. And so I thought about that too. I'm like, so this is touching the confines of morality when people die and how people can be very disrespectful in cemeteries and yeah. how people can value technology over people and how you just, I was getting very into like cybers. <laughs> like, wow, no, that's fascinating. No, yeah. I really like that. That's fascinating. I, I, I don't know if the writers were intending that, but I love bringing philosophical ideas into these types of structures, like short form stories that can actually 
look like if you look at it from a certain way, it goes deeper than the surface mm -hmm. level. And having this, uh, you know, mental gymnastic that you took to equate something someone said years ago to a joke that's in this, and it just kind of recontextualizes your entire interpretation of this as maybe it's not so comedic or maybe it's now darkly comedic like even more so than just grave robbing you know like which they'd actually don't do um but i was expecting <laughs> i was expecting it too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really fascinating to see like this other commentary on how we value technology and media and everything um because it ends with you know even death watching television with them and you know them soaking up a scary movie and then death having the you know the opposite of what you think he's going to say i hate scary mm -hmm. movies i just you know it's a, it's a really fun button and i think that it uh it does a really good job of ending the episode on a high note um i think that the dialogue in this is really strong in this one and in well actually i want to say the dialogue in all three of the new shorts um so that would be all of them except for Mummy Dummy, uh, which had already aired before this. But all of the dialogue in this is really strong as far as like on a comedy level, on a character level. And I just think Bob Bergen as Porky is just insanely amazing at the stutter and everything that he's put he's putting into Porky in this because he goes from anxious to worried to scared to mad, yes. angry, like all of the emotions and just seeing Porky go through that is just incredible on the animation yes. level on the voice acting level. And then of course you have Eric Bowser just knocking it out of the park as Wacky Daffy. Uh, but you know, Wacky Daffy's always like way up here and Porky <laughs> has to navigate the uh, the in-betweens. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, it's just a really fun pairing. You get like the odd couple pairing, which is, you know, classic Bob Clampett. That's what he did. He put those two together and it just it was magic. And I think you just, continue it here and then obviously it would be continued in the movie if yeah. we ever see that but yeah so like we can get philosophical with it too <laughs> exactly you no know? i'm i'm sure they would i'm sure they oh. would i wouldn't put it past them so yeah and again we have really outstanding backgrounds the just the design of the cemetery is incredible i love the fact that we get to eat at Joe's joke in this because we haven't seen one of those and who knows how long. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that the eat at Joe's. I was like, oh, oh my God, no, this is not here. This is here. <laughs> oh my God, that was cool. Yeah, I just, it was great. It was a great, it was one of my favorites. I think for sure that was one of my favorites. Yeah. And uh, my last name is Grave. So Sabina was like, oh, this is all about you because <laughs> you're surrounded by. <laughs> Looney Tunes. And I'm like, yes, this is this is for me. Uh, thank you. Looney Tunes cartoons creators. <laughs> um, and the fans, and, thank you. <laughs> and the fans, yes, of course. Um, I like I I just I love this episode, uh, this short. I, I think that it is um insanely creative and a really fun way to kick off this Halloween celebration. Um, yeah, did did you have any other notes on on this short? No, I think that like overall, I think it was funny. And if you want to get philosophical with it, you can, I think. And you're right. Like, I was like, I don't know if they're intending this, but like my brain is going here, like future cyber uh, with it. And, but I, I thought it was hilarious. I, you know, I watching it again, 
I'm like, you know, I'm 30 and I, the fact that it could make me laugh. I'm like, this is, this is cute. I love this so much. It just made me happy. And it made me definitely kick off into this Halloween vibe. You know, it was great. I can definitely watch it all day. <laughs> it truly is. It, it's very repeatable. One of the jokes that I never, it never not, is not funny is whenever the coffin uh, slides out from under Daffy and then he face plants and then Porky goes into his butt. <laughs> I laugh every time just the animation of it is just impeccable it's the timing Actually, is great that was the other thing too right like the scene where they're what they basically broke into a graveyard right and yes. I was just kind of taken back a little bit because like of course they would do that of course they would just slide in through here <laughs> and the whole time Daffy's like crying like, like oh my god my best friend died and again I just started thinking about morality and how people will sometimes shine the spotlight when people die they'll shine the spotlight on themselves like oh my god what will I ever do people like they were not even close to the deceased so again that's why I kept thinking about morality and ethics and like then to the reveal, like the TV, I'm like, oh my God, this is just, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to take a moment now and dissect this. <laughs> yeah, so the, for those that uh, have seen it or those that have not seen it, I will recap it real quick. Porky and Daffy break into a cemetery with a coffin and they are carrying, according to Daffy, Daffy's best friend. And Porky is trying to figure out who's in the coffin um, and not touch anything. And of course, Daffy touches everything and tombstones get opened, spirits get awoken, and they are haunted. And eventually it comes to light that a television was in the coffin and death also appears, uh, voiced perfectly by Fred Tatashore. He is uh, like this overbearing like shadow of a man or cloaked individual. And uh, he's the one that is a technician and he fixes the TV for Daffy. So he brings life back into it uh, instead of taking away. And then they sit down at the end of it and, you know, watch a scary movie as you do in a cemetery, as you just did in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it, don't you think too, by fixing the TV that also has like the, the theme of how there's life and death and how like death can bring life again and rebirth? I don't know. Just, no, again, absolutely. continuing <laughs> the philosophical. <laughs> absolutely, no. That's I again bring all the philosophical thoughts. I, I love it. <laughs> I soak it up. Uh, cool. So moving on from that one, uh, we next have uh, Hex Appeal, which we saw a little snippet of at Comic Con this year, uh, thanks to the Looney Tunes panel and Warner Brothers presenting a little sneak peek of that short. And we were all wondering what's going to happen to this spider that Witch Hazel is trying to capture for her potion to de-beautify herself. Oh, these modern witches, so young and yet already so ugly. I can't stand the sight of it. This short just on hands down is one of my favorite shorts that this series has ever put out it is not only an homage to chuck jones it is an homage and it takes inspiration from something that chuck jones took inspiration from which was ronald searle uh, who was a british cartoonist and did a lot of minimalist art and a lot of wavy like hair lines and everything like really like like imagine you get hit in the face with a frying pan and then like how your hair would like just jolt out. Okay, that's the level of attention to detail and like style that this guy had. And Chuck Jones loved that guy. 
And this was the same time that he was making the Witch Hazel cartoons. And so he injected a lot of that into the designs. Uh, you can definitely see it with the cat, um, which gets, you know, uh, put into a, a little milk jar and then uh, the milk jar breaks and then the, uh, the whiskers shoot out. Um, it's just a phenomenal short. Um, Stephanie, what did you love about this one? What did you take away? And how great was Candy Milo as this character? I loved it. I think that, you know, you're like everything you just said right now regarding the animation, how it's so simple. Like when you just said like the inspiration from the other animator, I wasn't actually, I didn't even know that. Um, I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, exactly. Because it's so simple, but beautiful. And like the little hair strands, I did notice that. It was just like, there's so much emotion in spaces within the animation that you couldn't even think of. Yeah, okay, yes, yes, exactly. I love stuff like that too, because I think that you don't think about, when you think of emotions, you don't think necessarily that it's, the hair or like even like when people sweat or like little things like that in animation you don't realize it until you actually physically see it and you're like right. yes it's so simple but it's so genius um and so when she was like okay I want to look uglier and she starts making this potion and everything and I was like interesting so she's gonna make a potion to make okay so I'm like following it and then I think that it's so funny because she just manifested her own demise with the spider and like fighting <laughs> the spider. And like, I was a huge Tom and Jerry person too sure. when I was a kid. And so like, it just made me think of that too. Um, I remember my love, my mom loved Tom and Jerry. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I was thinking about all of these like little elements of things of like chasing this, uh, something small, but then it becomes bigger and then it goes after her and then she manifested her own demise. And I was like, oh my God, I, I thought she was actually going to do something. I thought it was going to be like an explosion of the potion of the concoction and that was going to make her ugly or something like that. And then it's like, no, it's the spider. It beats her up and she gets what she wanted though. And I just thought that was so funny and it plays on this like morbid like humor like dark humor in a way oh absolutely uh, but, you know it's like because realistically if someone beat you up you know it's not humorous yeah. but this was it was humorous in a sense of like wow the dark humor she's getting beaten up and then she looks in the mirror and she gets what she wanted and it was it was that one cynical twist of her like getting what she wanted that made it you know very funny and those are little little things that you don't think about in humor and I think that's kind of lost too nowadays that little subtle little yeah. subtle thing um that you don't see as often I think people make it more obvious to joke and throw all those puns this was like that very subtle dark humor that I feel dark humor is very lost too that's another take but uh <laughs> that I saw it in that it's an appropriate take and something that I really connect with, with the new Looney Tunes cartoons brand. Like they really dive deep into presenting dark humor in this way. And I mean, I'm, we're going to talk about it with Mummy Dummy. Like that is just dark humor to the nth degree. But this had so many fun moments. You have um, the line about a brewmate. It's so nice to have a brewmate. Um, you have the spider. Uh, whenever she zooms up on her broom, the spider has made a web and then is controlling her and making her hit herself uh, with the broom that she was just trying to use to get the spider. Um, you have just these really funny 
uh, moments that just build on each other. And there's a really funny pun when she's going through her wands. Oh, by the way, I just love that she uses a freeze wand because um, yes. I love like the animation of freezing things. I don't know. Um, big Sub-Zero fan. <laughs> Mr. I freeze. like frozen freezes. Yeah, all these freezing <laughs> characters. Um, but so she has a freezing wand. But before that, she it says Saskatchewan, <laughs> which is a really funny pun uh, oh that Michael Rucco added, uh, one of the animators and uh, storyboard artists. And you know, just the line work in this just leaps off the screen, and it's so contextualized that I have. I've never seen a a short that is so contained, but also so packed with humor in the artistry, in the background, in the foreground, in the characters. Just everything is incredible. And I give I tip my hat to Alex Kerwan, who is the the genius who is like, I want a witch hazel short in this and I want it to be witch hazel centric. So there are no other characters that she's interacting with from Looney Tunes canon. She's interacting with her own world that is uh, that's happening around her. And I just think that that was a super genius move and it's really paying off because I've heard nothing but praise end to end on this short. You know, that's, a, I, I didn't even think about that. You're right. She was in her own world. You're right. Because like, you know, going from the previous short, which was the, um, you know, the graveyard goofs to this, mm-hmm. I, you know, cause you obviously you're, you're seeing both energies in the first short, but then you see, and, and then it transitions to this and you're like, okay, so she's interacting by herself. And it's, it just goes to show though, like how strong of a character to be, to have, so much going on in that short and it it was entertaining the whole time like I know once did I look away on my phone or anything I was like glued to that screen because I was like okay what next when is she gonna get the spider <laughs> she's like zapping things now <laughs> what is going on here um so it, again I think that was great because it you're right it shows how strong and how much weight this character can have so truly truly um and I, I'm I'm gonna give praise to the team for this. Um, I'm just a fan, and I noticed, and I was happy about it. Uh, but when the spider falls into the growth serum, uh, he comes out and he has this drunk hiccup, and I was like, that sounds a lot like Mel Blank. And it was revealed that Mel Blank, uh, the audio, was actually used from the archives and put into this short, and it was written in the story notes uh, that they wanted to use the Mel Blank sound of the hiccup. Uh, something that Mel Blanc was known for back in the day. And they did it. They injected Mel Blanc and uh, I, the short is better for it. So you have a little bit of history with uh, with this short as well, being injected back into something modern. So again, just elevating the entire thing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my God. Good catch. Oh, thank you. But uh, I, I give it off to the artists and the team over at Warner Brothers Animation and uh, the, the team headed by P- Pete Browngarden, just everybody over there. It just It's a joy to watch these. I wish we had more coming out. So far this year, we've only had the Valentine's Day special and the Halloween special. So we need more. We definitely need more. Uh, and, and I have crossed. recommendations to keep this Halloween, you know, celebration going this year. If you want some recommendations for classic shorts or or shorts that uh, have come out already in this series that you may have missed. So before I get there, let's continue on. And <laughs> we have In for Trouble. In for Trouble. Yes, thank you. In for Trouble is uh, directed by David Gimmel. David Gimmel also directed Hex Appeal. 
Uh, so shout out to hit David Gimmel. So In for Trouble is akin to the classic Chuck Jones short, um, Claws for Alarm, which had Porky and Sylvester in a haunted castle. And they took some inspiration from that and applied it here. And you have a wonderful short all timer, I would say, where you have a serial killer on the loose and he has just killed the not not too different than Psycho, uh, where he's killed somebody working at a hotel and takes over the duties of the clerk and uh, Porky and Sylvester arrive. Sylvester is the only one seeing what's happening. Uh, he sees the news clip of the escaped convict. He sees the dead body of the previous clerk. <laughs> and he sees all the attempts of murder uh, in this hotel or motel rather. Uh, and Porky is completely oblivious, which adds to the comedy. It's just the timing is impeccable. The Obviously, the animation is impeccable. But yes, you just watched uh, In for Trouble. Wonderful name. Stephanie, what did you think of this short? Yes, I definitely was thinking of Psycho um, immediately when I saw this. And even like the the colors, I actually thought the color, the fact that the killer was a different color, like green. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of just like, the undertones of like sin you know because I've heard before yeah. that sometimes there's like the seven deadly sins in this stuff so I was like okay so green I know there's envy there's like different uh you know I guess like I got all philosophical with it again <laughs> um I'm like me okay. getting all philosophical. <laughs> it's all good it's but, welcome yeah I, I was thinking yeah I guess I, I was thinking of like seven deadly sins and I, for some reason, I know that there's probably different sins, you know, I'm sure there's different inputs and, and they're welcomed. But for me, the most thing that I thought was that he was not the same color as like the other humans in that universe, I guess, or from what I had seen in, yeah, in all of these. And so yeah. green, I'm like, interesting. Okay. So you are obviously evil green can just stand for evil, you know? Um, and I just, <laughs> I, I I kept laughing because again, it played with the dark humor of it because we're so used to seeing these classic, especially if you love horror movies and classics, you're used to seeing, you know, the whole hotel thing, Bates Motel. Um, and so I was thinking about all these classical movies, but then it took a spin and it made me see it in a different way. I suppose of how oblivious people are sometimes when there's an institution that is meant for something people be oblivious for so many different reasons and it's not just like oh you know no one's going to kill me but it's also the idea that like you're you know if you go to a hotel people don't check for certain things that are dangerous in hotels like bed bugs something very simple yeah. but I was thinking about all these things that people do and you know even now like there's a lot of scary stories with like airbnbs and hotels and bringing an extra lock in your house or in your hotel if you're traveling alone um or you know precaution to take and None of the things that obviously Porky did. It's good advice <laughs> um, though. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that too, like how it's still playing. Like, yes, we can talk about the classic stuff and how it's playing homage to that. And it's, you know, making a funny, like, you know, reconvention of that. But I was enjoying the fact that in a way it's still relevant though, besides the fact that it's a horror themed because 
people are always not checking things that they should in hotel rooms. I don't know. That's where I was getting it. And plus like he was green. I'm like, see, I think <laughs> the colors mean something here. I feel like they do mean something here. Well, I love the green whenever it's shown in Porky and Sylvester's eyes when they first get there and they're silhouetted and it's just their shadows, but their eyes are green. Like, I think that was so, it was, it was such a unique choice, but also it elevated the suspense uh, because they're going somewhere that is a little off. Um, so I think that definitely added, uh, and I think there's always something to look forward to in um, what colors people choose uh, for the characters mm -hmm. or for the backgrounds or, or anything like that. Um, definitely always keep an eye out for colors. Why, certainly. I just need you to sign your name into our guest book. And the room is yours. Oh, and uh, one more thing. I wanted to mention that the killer's name is Alabaster Cuckoo Kerwan. Uh, so um, Kerwan is the uh, the last name of the supervising animation director uh, on this show. So I thought it was really funny that uh, they added him in that um, in that sense to like pay homage to that uh, as the classics order, you know, put in Jones or, you know, Freeling or somewhere like that. Um, so I thought that was really funny. Too. That is so neat. I didn't even know that. Supervising producer, rather. Uh, yeah, Alex Kerwan, supervising producer, get added, got added to uh, to the naming of that character. So that was fun. Uh, so that will wrap up the uh, in for trouble. Uh, I n n for trouble. I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this uh, this special like really fired on all cylinders. Like I can't think of any short that was um you know not on the same level as the others i thought they were all really strong including the one that we're about to talk about which is a repackaged short from june of 2021 called mummy dummy uh this one also directed by david gemmel and has bugs bunny mistake ancient egypt for Vegas because he's terrible at making those left turns at Albuquerque and he always gets lost. So you'll never know where he's going to end up. So he winds up in old Egypt and he uncovers a tomb that is housing a haunted mummy. And in doing so, he is also uh, putting himself in a lot of danger <laughs> that, uh, that he will soon find out about. The, the one detriment to this short that I will say that I've seen online is that Bugs Bunny isn't ahead of the game on this one. He never realizes the danger that he's in, uh, which Bugs Bunny is usually like ahead of that. Um, but I think this one works because you have Bugs Bunny playing off the danger in such a way that this mummy can do no harm to him, essentially, uh, even whenever he is being ripped and torn. And, and that clip has been shared online uh, without the punchline. The punchline is Bugs Bunny wakes up from that, stretches his back and is like, oh, thank you for the massage. And like, that is the joke. And if you, you know, if you don't see that, then you're not getting the full essence of Bugs Bunny in that uh, moment. But it is brilliantly colored like that. The, the level of like shadow depth is astronomically like gorgeous to look at. And just the fact that you have Bugs Bunny in this situation and it cracks me up to, to no end to see him um, survive this, you know, like he's put into the ringer uh, literally um, for, you know, going up against a monster he's never seen before. He doesn't know what to expect. 
and he has just the the best amount of luck to get through it and and yeah like his his reactions are what cracks me up like his pu to the food after he like pulls out the intestines and everything that he uh, mistakes for a buffet but it's really you know one of those areas that they um use for remains of the the people that were there before <laughs> or like it's, it's like some kind of ritual thing um i i just i love the fact that he you know threw that in the mummy's face and and then the mummy is like vomiting it's just you know it's gross out humor but i think it, it works and it's really funny and unique to this show um, so was this your first time watching this? Did you not watch it in June? I did not watch it in June, okay. but you hit some really strong points that I noticed too. Yeah. Um, like Bugs Bunny, it felt like it was a different, he was a different character, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so I was very taken back by it because I was watching it. I'm like, okay, so he seems a little bit off and not ahead of the game. And yeah, I, I did see though the, again, the dark humor with it because I kind of thought it was funny when the mummy was ready to attack him and he thinks he's at the buffet and he starts shoving all the organs in his mouth. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening here? And I- yeah and so it was like okay so whose organs are these like I don't know I'm just like, thinking of all these things right and I'm like okay so you're saying he looks like trash <laughs> and you know people say that like they use that slang though like you look like garbage or that's garbage and right. <laughs> I'm like so I was like oh, is that what it's trying to say is it like physically giving us that joke that we use all the time in slang so I started thinking about that and then also you're right. Now that you were talking about the whole thing about like Bugs Bunny and how there is the feedback received on the character and how this was portrayed throughout the short, I started to think, I'm like, well, maybe he really needed that vacation then, I guess, because he was not ahead of the game. <laughs> like, he was there off you go. that day. <laughs> yeah, he was off that day. That's why he went to um, Vegas and didn't end up in Vegas. Exactly. In Vegas. <laughs> um but yes the scene where like the mummies just like finally gets at him and starts trying to like rip him up and you're hearing all the cracking and everything and the scene turns dramatically red and you're like oh my god what is happening like I actually did gas I'm like oh. I was like what is happening what is it actually got me I they was like there. very gullible yeah. yeah, I was like, really oh. and then he's like, okay, I feel better now. I'm like, oh my God, that was a troll. That was trolling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this one just took me out of my, like what I was expecting more than the others. I think I, cause again, with the other ones, I'm like, okay, this is funny. This is cute. This is great. But this one I was having, I actually experienced like from laughter to like, I was gasping. It, it took me there. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing, though, is to bring out strong emotions and things um, that we don't always experience because then there's more room to talk about it. Like, why did they go that far? Um, right. What are they trying to say? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, what are they trying to say with this? This one, I cannot. I think there's more to it. I do believe there's way more meaning to this. I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I think obviously you're you're interpreting these on a much deeper level than they may have even intended for them to mm -hmm. come up with. But there's always layers. There's always something to find. And I think that's really fascinating. I would take another look at this one just to see if, you know, by calling the mummy trash and like having him as the disposal and then Bugs using his foot to like smash down the food and it's getting stuck on his 
you know, rabbit's foot and coming back, you know, it's, it's really wild. It's really bizarre. Um, but yeah, it, it is trying to say something. I, I don't have my, my finger on the pulse of that just yet, but I would say Bugs is definitely one carrot short of a carrot cake in this one. And uh, <laughs> that makes it a lot of fun. <laughs> one of the moments that I really love is whenever he, at the end, he shoots the mummy across uh, Egypt into um, one of those big tombs. Like it's the, the tomb that has a head uh what are those um, called like, the pyramids it's like a pyramid pyram- yeah it, um with a with a head on it <laughs> <laughs> and it gets shot into the butt of the uh the pyramid and then the face goes Ooh. <laughs> i just love that moment it's it's phenomenal um so that's two shorts and uh two butt jokes that i thought were really funny <laughs> yeah like i i think that's what i was saying it went from like the ending was like the nice cherry on top because like yeah. as we were getting towards the end it was like again that graph it, it did it did feel almost graphic though it did i i guess oh, no, it was it, very graphic it was very yeah graphic. and I, again because like the whole time i'm watching i'm like okay i know stephanie you need to like you need to calm down it's probably not <laughs> this philosophical but i get there with these cartoons i think it's funny because when i was a kid i didn't think anything of it but now i'm like no i feel like there's like so many meanings of things and maybe because like I've been seeing the memes online and how people like apply it to real life. I'm almost wondering if like there might be something in my psyche over time that I'm like, okay, so been seeing these memes like since the early 2000s, here we are where I'm watching this and I'm like, am I slowly, but I think as adults, we tend to look at cartoons and things so differently as well so it's always refreshing to visit it with adult pair of lens versus when you were a kid and you're like I remember seeing the scene I thought nothing of it and then adult comms are like this is too graphic for children but kids did not see it that way whatsoever (laughs) which happened Um, a lot which happened a mm -hmm. lot back in the day and also you know when Looney Tunes were in theaters and they were made by adults they were not for kids they were not intended for kids they were intended for all audiences but mainly audiences that would be in on the joke that they were parodying or making fun of or you know um taking the salt out of like those kind of moments don't really translate to a kid because they don't know the context um Mm -hmm. i literally just came across a thread over the weekend of people uh showing off like gifts from scary movie and the whole like what's up scene and kids younger I guess, younger Twitter users uh, going, what movie is this? What's this from? And having no context of the movie, the the Budweiser commercial, like none of it. And I actually commented and I was like, that actually is why Looney Tunes gets away with more things than other franchises because they're parodying other things. Mm -hmm. And you then like after years and years and those, the, the things that they were parodying go away you just equate those jokes to Looney Tunes and then they mm-hmm. become even smarter and they age really well. Most, mm-hmm. Some of them, there, there are issues. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but, I, was, I mean, definitely. <laughs> but uh, you know, like on, on the comedic level, a lot of those jokes um, they are now praised for being original, whereas they were actually parroting something else. And, um, yeah. and this one, I, I actually don't think this parodies anything. I think this is wholly mm-hmm. original. I can't think of anything that this well, would parody. Yeah. Unless you unless you can think of something. I don't 
Yeah. No, I, I don't think I can. No. Yeah. Wow. I had Joey Caps on the show. Um, and he said, whenever he saw the storyboards for it, he was like, whoa, you guys are really going for it. I don't know if that's going to translate. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but like having that um, injected into something like this, I think definitely separates it from the family affair, from what you're used to in a cartoon. And you're like, so where do I categorize Looney Tunes cartoons? Is it adult animation? Is it kid-friendly animation? Is it family-friendly animation? Because my family watched this short and they were like, that's disturbing. <laughs> but you know, I don't know, uh, but I love it. Uh, they make it for me. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think overall it's, I, but I've always felt like Looney Tunes has always pushed the bar yes. for things. And, and, and so like when I did watch the mummy dummy, cause out of all of them, this one, the one that was like, it gave me mixed feelings at first. I'm not going to lie. Like it took me a moment to like, look at it. I enjoy, I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it because I did enjoy it. It was funny. And I'm always going to enjoy these things where it's like, Hey, I laughed. I'm okay with that. And, but this one did take me a little bit back. And I think because they were basically trying to push and be outside of the box than what people would normally expect almost, especially for like hardcore fans, I feel like too. Um, and so I think that if we're talking about it and we're feeling mixed emotions, I think it did its job though, all in all, because I think even back then, well, these, I feel like this whole franchise in general has always left people with mixed emotions and it's always been yeah. controversial. So in a way, this is kind of repushing, resetting that wheel again. No, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, pushing the boundary on what we accept as like a children's animated cartoon is something that again, uh, this franchise does really well. And they also do parody really well. Um, you know, one of my recommendations, if you want to keep going on this Halloween inspired short uh, series is one of the um, the shorts from the first season, which is called, um, which is called Boo Appetweet. And that has Tweety and Sylvester uh, going at each other. And there are Ghostbuster references and homages in that. So you have another layer to it. Uh, you not only have uh, Tweety um, haunting Sylvester, uh, but you have these really fun 80s references to go along with it. Um, all the way down to Tweety saying, I ain't afraid of no putty. <laughs> uh, so it's just, you know, adding to the layer. Um, there's another one that I would recommend, which is uh, from that same first season called Big League Beast. Um, that one just hands down is one of my favorite all-time Looney Tunes cartoon shorts. It almost hits the classics for me. And they they fired with like such strong uh, out of the gate animation, uh, voice acting. It's just a, an amazing short. So I highly recommend that one as well. And um, yeah, just keep it going. Like watch these shorts, talk about these shorts. I mean, that's what we're here to do. And uh, so Stephanie, overall, what did you think of this short or this special rather? And um, would you continue watching these shorts? Yeah, I, I love them. I think that it was a, for me, it was like revisiting my childhood. And I feel like I always, it's always nice to go back and revisit that part of yourself. 
Um, especially for me, cause I'll be honest, I have not been watching TV as much as I would like, or just having my own leisure time. And especially like I, since I moved out here. And so this was like a nice, like my own self-care day. And I would, I would totally watch this. I'm like, I can't believe I'm glad that you recommended it because I, you know, I would love to see more Halloween stuff. I feel like if anything, this proves like these shorts prove that they can take you back in time and get you to want to more of it because society is always changing too. So I would love to see more of parodies of modern day, you know, things like, I feel like there's, you can never run out of those things. Never. Um, so I would love to see more of that. I feel like Halloween too, in my opinion, Halloween is not dying off, but it's, it's missing that element that like macabre, like dark humor element that can't be element to it. And I definitely think this could definitely revitalize that and make it more exciting, especially with like um, the, like the first two, like hex appeal and like the graveyard goose. Cause I seriously started thinking about like morbid macabre things, but I was (laughs) laughing at it too at the same time. And I have not had that feeling in a very long time. Agreed. Yeah. I'm really glad that this came out this year and I wish it was longer, but you know, Mm -hmm. like we can extend it. We can, have recommendations uh, from the earlier ones that are spooky. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that the feels that you get with this made me made me feel like I was like, you know, 10 years old again, you know, watching Looney Tunes or watching, uh, you know, one of the classic Halloween specials of the time. And Cartoon Network did a lot of those. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I, 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 I concur entirely with yeah. you um, that I, I mean, miss that feeling. Because, because I'm thinking about what thing, what, people are hyped about now. And I've seen people like cartoons and it's like, it, cause I think like monster high and I'm not ripping on that or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's what I'm seeing, you know, different outlets and that's cool. But again, I, for me, for my generational, like for what I grew up with, I want to see like the dark humor done right, because that's also a missing element. And I definitely think this is a great way to revitalize certain elements that we grew up with. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, some recommendations for classic uh, shorts are uh, Transylvania 6500 with Bugs Bunny and Count Blood Count. Uh, I just posted a clip of that one on the Instagram. And uh, Broomstick Bunny, which is one of the first uh, Witch Hazel appearances. And you have Broomstick Bunny, you have Witch Hazel against Bugs Bunny. And that's always fun. Um, so yes, that will do it. Uh, I d- oh, I do have some clever little Easter eggs that they hid in the, in the special, which at the very beginning, uh, you see the silhouettes of some characters. You see Mr. Hyde from Hide and Hair, which is a short by Frizz Freeling. And that is Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde going up against Bugs Bunny. You have Monster Tweety from Hide and Go Tweet. And you have Witch Hazel, which introduces the title of Bugs Bunny's Hollow Scream Spectacular. Uh, so it was really fun all around. I love the animation. I cannot wait to watch this again. And with more people, And uh, yeah, I just highly recommend it and keep on watching cartoons. Stephanie, where can people find you online? You can find me, uh, Stephanie underscore strange on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, Yeah, those are my main three platforms right now. Cool, cool. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, This was a lot of fun. You can find the podcast on YouTube, on Twitter. I have OFC, this means pod over there. And then this means podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I've also launched revamped version of the Patreon. And what's going to happen is on the Patreon, if you subscribe, you'll get a newsletter 
for the month that we are about to be in. And then it will have all of the shows that I have planned along with their guests. And then I will also have a show for that week uh, dropping on Thursdays, which is the normal day that this goes up. Um, and then the following week uh, will be the normal release, uh, which will be on Mondays. So we're changing things up a bit, um, trying to, you know, uh, recoup some of the costs, trying to get better mics, better areas to record in, uh, some of the things that I can definitely utilize, and a camera so I can uh, have more video content coming your way. Uh, so anyways, this is all to help you and, uh, and me a little bit, <laughs> but uh, I want to keep going. I want to keep talking about Looney Tunes, and this is one of the most viable ways to I, for me to do it. So this modern day and age is all about Patreon, so let's give that a go. And as always, that's not all, folks. Have a good day. Another one? They ought to scream this place. <coughs> la da dee dee da da la da 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 hocus pocus. <laughs>